Hey everyone, welcome to My Two Cents with Tawanda Harris. This is a podcast dedicated to educators, for educators, and by educators. Yes, it's all about encouraging, it's all about sharing strategies, it's all about going on an educational journey with each other. You are not alone, and I hope that when you finish listening to this podcast, you feel like you went on a journey with educators around the world. Thank you for tuning in to My Two Cents. How do we cultivate writers? Well, in this episode, I had a chance to talk with Lisa Stringfellow, and she talked about her ability to motivate writers as she's motivating herself. Yes, she's an author and also a teacher. Of course, you know, as educators, we wear 5,000 gazillion hats. Yeah, I said 5,000 gazillion hats. But it's really cool to hear the strategies and the ways that she motivates her students to see themselves as writers. Listen in. Welcome listeners. I'm so excited to be in conversation with Lisa Stringfellow. Um, Today we are going to have a wonderful conversation about the work that she is doing with students as well as in writing. Oh my goodness. I'm personally vested in this conversation because I've had so many conversations with teachers or educators that want to do writing the right way but have certain parameters and restrictions around them. So just listen in on this conversation so we can hear all of the wonderful things that she is doing. And she has some, um, some a surprise to share with us as well of some upcoming things that she's doing. So without further ado, can you please, Lisa, can you please share with us your teacher journey? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to to be with you and uh, be one of your guests today. Um, My teacher journey. So this is I'm going into my 28th year as a teacher, a classroom teacher. Um, I spent my first 21 years at the same school and then um, was in Kentucky in an independent school. And then I moved back home uh, to the East Coast, to Boston, uh, and I've been at the school that I'm at now for the past seven years. Um, when I got started, I was, you know, pretty fresh out of <laughs> college and, um, you know, kind of baby teacher. And, um, you know, it, I, I had a lot to learn. And I, I think I feel like I, I grew a lot over those years. I um, went back for my master's degree about maybe 15 years into teaching. So I had been in the classroom for a while. And in some ways, um, that was perfect timing for me because um, I was ready to absorb just so much information and and so much craft and so much um, just, you know, what could I do to improve my teaching and my instruction um, and then learn. And so about 2009 uh, is when I went back and worked on my master's of education. And I feel like that's the start of um, kind of a, a real turn in my teaching. Um, it, it started my journey as um, uh, being a real advocate for um, authentic voices and reading in my curriculum. Um, I had some classes that um 
prompted me to do audits of my um, classroom library and do audits of the curriculum. And I, and I discovered some holes some things that, you know, I had been doing for a long time, just because the teacher before me had been doing it. And, um, you know, really opened my eyes to what um, what I was missing and what um, how I was not serving my students the best way. Um, so that was that was great, and it opened my eyes a lot, and I was able to make a lot of changes. I think that have been so beneficial um, to me as an educator, but most importantly to my students as readers and their reading and lives. Um, and it also started my journey as a, a writer. So I'll talk in a little bit about that later. But um, I, I took a class where I had a an opportunity to write something and it, it got me thinking um, and had colleagues asking me, you know, have you ever thought about writing a book yourself? And so kind of started me on that path as well. That's pretty awesome. I, I really like um, the fact that you did an audit. Like when I was a first year teacher, my audit, no, I can't even call it an audit. It was whatever the teacher before me or the veteran teachers in the building gave me. And that kind of started my foundation of what I had as a teacher. And Absolutely. like an audit, I really would, didn't focus on like the quality of what I had. It was more the quantity. And so I had to make sure that my room looked very cute and um, that the spaces were created so that when the students walked in, there was a finished product. Like, of course, as years went on, I was like, that was the exact opposite of what I should have done, you know, like <laughs> right. complete opposite. But, you know, like you said, as a baby teacher, as a first year teacher, you're just like, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes, exactly. And and I think um, I, I the same way I was focused on the quantity of books and um, there were a lot of, you know, classics in my classroom library and um, books that I picked up, you know, through like, say the book fairs uh, and catalogs. And, you know, there, you know, some of those were problematic. And, and I, you know, I, I realized that through looking at like what, what I was offering students. So yeah, I definitely learned and grew a lot. Yeah, so how would your, te- your students describe your classroom? I think um, they would describe it as um, creative. Um, I'm always talking to them about um, choice um, and, you know, supporting, you know, what it is that they're interested in, um, whether that's through, you know, book talking, the books that I'm reading and asking them what they're reading, um, encouraging them to, you know, to push themselves. Um, you know, in the writing assignments that we do, I'm always looking for ways to engage them in, you know, slightly different ways. So like my technology background comes in, um, you know, and, you know, for example, with our our summer reading this beginning of this school year, I had my students do um, a comic as a a form of a summary. And so, you know, that was like a little bit of a a visual um, way of looking at the story for them. And we still wrote, but it was an entry point that I think really engaged them. And so, you know, looking for that and looking for also, I think, opportunities for them to share their, their voices authentically, either with um, other, within their class, you know, with their classmates as well, but also outside of our classroom. So, you know, things like the global read aloud and connecting with other classrooms around books and having conversations and doing blog posts are all things that, um, I'm excited to kind of expose them to and, and get them sharing. Yeah, what what resonates me, with me 
are the words looking for opportunities for my students to share their voices. Like, man, that, that is really powerful when you think about the, you know, what students are able to do, like how they are more engaged because my teacher is looking for these opportunities for me to share my voices. And it's not a matter of here's a program, this is what the writing prompt says, and this is what we're going to do, but it's no, let me see how we can invite or provide opportunities for you to feel a part of this space. Yeah. And I think the, the, the great thing too, is that with that comes the opportunity for them to be in conversation with each other around these ideas. Um, you know, so they, and, you know, did a little padlet for me this week where they answered a couple of questions about um, kind of the pre-reading for a book that we're starting and then talking about, um, there was a question about what identity is, what does, what does that word mean to them? And then, you know, they responded to each other and talked about like, I agree with you, or, you know, you know, I, I have this in common with you. You shared this detail that, you know, I, that I have in my life too. And um, so always to have those interactions between them as, and not just between me and them, that it's a class and a community. Wow. Yeah. That, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. So you, let's talk writing. This is like, I told you, this is like me selfishly excited about this conversation because I think, you know, oftentimes we focus so much on reading that writing sometimes gets the short end of the stick, or there isn't a true understanding of the connection of both the reading and the writing and how they complement each other. So um, in saying that, what would you say the state of writing instruction is in education today? I think um, there's a lot of good conversations happening. And I think um, the, the, the realization from teachers that um, students need, just like we, we've said, there's that connection between reading and writing. They need choice in their writing the same way they need choice in their reading. Um, so I think, you know, the, the recognition that, you know, those formulaic ways that sometimes we've taught in the past um, are very limiting to students. Um, you know, and I know within my own school, um, you know, we've talked about, yes, students sometimes need scaffolding and they need models and they need to see examples of, um, you know, kind of like mentor text and reading, they need mentor text and writing, but there also needs to be room for them to be themselves and to, you know, have their voice come through and, um, you know, we have to be mindful of that with, you know, not being so lockstep with, um, you know, the five paragraph essay or the, you know, the 3.5 paragraph and, and all of these different things that um, students don't have, they don't learn to be creative and original and to show their voices. And, um, you know, also to, you know, we've talked a lot in my department this past year too about, um, the different kinds of literacies that students bring from home and, and, you know, respecting those ways of speaking and ways of writing, um, you know, and giving them opportunities to utilize those in a more, more ways. Um, so I think, again, there's room for growth, definitely, but there are conversations where people are starting to see, you know, how necessary um, a lot of this, this, thinking and action needs to be towards letting students um, share, share what 
you know, they, that they have on their minds in creative and authentic ways. Yeah, that, that choice really, really sticks out for me as you were talking about that and the power that become, that comes from a student choosing what it is that they're going to write about. And I know for educators, sometimes that's uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it's like, how am I going to grade this? What am I going to put in my lesson plan? Like, what does this look like? And I understand that there are certain restrictions that make it really hard at the school level to do this. Right. But if we want engagement and we want to see our students grow as writers, we have to get them engaged in the process and help them to understand the why behind it. I know in, in our state, we saw a huge shift in the instruction um, the writing instruction when the standardized tests changed. So used to, when I first started teaching, there used to be an assessment that it was a writing day assessment from the state. And so they would have five days to go through the writing process. The first day was 90 minutes on the brainstorming, and then it would just kind of go from there. And it would be on a topic outside of text. So there was a prompt, students had to brainstorm, and they could go from there. And then there was a shift. And when that shift happened, there was a connection of reading to writing. And that was more of what that assessment looked like. And so the expectation was in order to have a writing piece, you must, you must use evidence from the text to support your writing. And so now it became this force of here is a text, you must use it and weave it within your storyline. And that right there put writing in a box for students. So now the shift in instruction changed because students did not know how to do that. And I would go into schools and they would say, we are doing, we had the Georgia Milestones. This is the Georgia Milestones writing block. I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. No, don't teach students. You know, that was what it kind of boiled down to. It was a 30 minute Georgia Milestones writing block. And no longer right. were we talking about that creative or that choice that students right. experience. Yeah. And I totally understand that. I think, you know, there are, you know, there's definitely a place for the certain skills that we feel like students need to be able to um, do the kind of writing that they might uh, encounter when they get to high school, when they get to college. But, you know, it, it, it is really, I know, limiting for teachers when you have the, you know, the assessment um, and the certain things that like you have to do because the students are going to be tested on it. And so I definitely feel for, you know, teachers in that situation. I fortunately you know, am in a, a system where I, I, in the independent schools where it's a little bit more open. And so there's a little bit more um, freedom for um, thinking about like how you construct the curriculum. Um, but I think even within that, there's definitely ways that teachers can, you know, give the opportunities for those moments. Um, And I think everything, you know, we talk about volume is so important, just like with reading, volume is important, writing as well. And not everything has to be assessed. And so even just to give students, you know, a a few minutes as an entry ticket or an exit ticket to, you know, write about something, um, different formats and different topics or something that they choose that isn't necessarily assessed. Um, can give those opportunities as well. Yeah, 
I, I remember there was an, a homework assignment. I think when, one of the challenges of being a parent educator is that you can't take your hat off and in the parent mode. And so you're going yes. and talking with teachers, your child's teachers, and you're just sitting there like, okay, let me take my teacher hat off. Let me do this. But when my son, he was in fourth grade, he um, he's the middle of three children. And so he was in fourth grade and his teacher gave him a homework assignment and he had to go through the writing process in one night oh like, my what what and I was like you can't do that <laughs> you can't do that. trying to hold it in and like honor um you know I mean not honor but respect the teacher sure. in their request and try to find the a way of having a conversation of that is not how yeah. we do that but yeah. it was a wonder um, as to why he didn't get quality products when it came to the writing. Now, we were very fortunate the next year. We had a great fifth grade teacher who hands down to this day, Miss Anderson, if you're listening, <laughs> best fifth grade teacher for both of my boys. Wow. It was just an amazing, my younger daughter didn't get an opportunity to get her. But again, she gave that love for reading. And now they are just great writers. That's excellent. That's wonderful. Okay, so in November, there is something, let me make sure I say it right, NaNoWriMo. Did I say that, that right? That is correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I need to have dashes in between, but so it's, it's coming upon no, November 1st. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that and how you incorporate it into your classroom? Yes. So November stands for National Novel Writing Month, which is abbreviated to be NaNoWriMo. And it is a writing um, event that um, hundreds of thousands of people across the world all participate in in the month of November. So with adults, um, the challenge that people accept is to write a 50,000 word novel in 30 days. So um, adults, sign up. There's a website where you can keep track of your progress and, you know, enter, you know, you promise to write every day or as much as you can and you log your word count. And hopefully if you get to the end of the month and you reach that 50,000 word goal, it's winning, you win. So you meet your goal. Um, but there's also a component called the Young Writers Program. And so with the Young Writers, it's for anyone in K through 12. And the goal is personal. So they get to set um, the goal that they would like to reach. Um, and teachers, there's a classroom component so the teachers can sign up uh, and enroll their class. And that's what I have done uh, for about eight years, nine years now. Um, so my students and I, I announced to them, you know, somewhere not too close to November, but I give them, you know, usually a week or two to think about it, not to get too nervous. And I say, you know, guess what, you know, we are going to write together in the month of November, you guys are going to write a novel and you know, their mouths drop open and they kind of look a little scared at first. But, um, you know, I explained to them that, you know, I am going to give them, I usually give them a minimum word count. And um, there are all sorts of resources on the website that, you know, help teachers kind of construct the right environment. So, you know, I pick something really very manageable for my fifth grade students. 4,000 words is their minimum. So that's about, you know, a thousand for every grade level minus a little bit. So they feel comfortable. And I tell the students, you know, that's like 250 words a day. That's like barely a paragraph. You've got, you know, 
all of this time that we're going to dedicate in class in the month to write together. And I'm going to take the challenge with you. So I'm writing right along with them. So they, they see me as their teacher writing and, and trying to accomplish the same goal. Although my goal is the adult goal. I don't get to do the smaller goal. I know, I would um, like that other goal. I know, but they're, they're so excited. And um, it really, over the past uh, many years that I've done it, has been, I think, one of the best experiences. My students, when um, I have some of them again in sixth grade, or um, when they go on and they talk about um, writing experiences that they've really enjoyed. Um, in the past, my some of my colleagues will say, you know, oh, I had a student, we were talking about writing experiences and they they mentioned NaNoWriMo was one of the most fun, the most, you know, exciting for them because they felt like they took on a challenge and, you know, they accomplish it. And even besides that, it's just that, that freedom of, you have this idea, you're allowed to think about, you know, I'm not giving them a topic, they get to choose what they want to write about. Um, and we're all working together on our own goals and supporting each other. Um, and they see me as their, as their teacher doing it right alongside them. So it's, it's really a, a, a great and teaches them so many lessons outside of just the writing skills um, about goal setting and, um, you know, adapting to, you know, when they get stuck, what do you do? Um, and supporting each other. So it's been wonderful. Your agency, like I hear it just throughout, they're starting to just own that. You know, I'm not making you do anything. I'm not trying to convince you of why you should do it. This is you doing it to meet your goal and you're 100% in. That is really awesome. What do you notice that excites them the most about this process? I think it's that... Um, that ability to decide what they want to write. And so we'll talk about, um, you know, there's some curriculum materials that NaNoWriMo provides that you can use, but of course, you know, you can also, you know, develop your own little activities and things that you uh, want to organize with your classes. Um, you know, but I talked to them about like what makes a good book. And so we look at like the books that they really love and what were, what are the elements of those books that um, made them something that you love. And, you know, so we start talking about like things like the protagonist and the antagonist and the conflict um, and what makes a good conflict. And, um, and then they start to think about, okay, so if I'm going to make a story, what kind of story would I like to make? Is What genre might it be? And, and what kind of conflict? And they're amazingly creative. You know, some will write about, you know, realistic stories, um, you know, Sometimes if they are into a sport, it might be related to something that they do outside of school. Um, I've got tons and tons of fantasies and <laughs> all sorts of, you know, stories about, you know, other worlds. And um, so I think it's just that freedom that they can really do, you know, whatever they want. And I think sometimes it's a little overwhelming at first because they're so unused to that ability. You know, they're so used to being given a topic and being given um, a lot of, um, you know, limitations on things that they can do. And so this is kind of one of those opportunities where, you know, yes, they have some guidelines, they have a certain amount that they're trying to reach, but it's a goal that they can set for themselves. Um, and, you know, but we do it together and they see everyone is working uh, on their, their own stories and they get so excited to share what they're working on with their classmates. Yeah. 
it's kind of like their squad, their writing squad, their community. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I, I definitely would be excited if my peers were doing something with me, even though it's not the same story, but it's kind of like just the energy in the room. We're all working on this so that we can celebrate together. And then you build the, right. you know, the, the compassion and the encouragement starts to flow throughout motivation starts to flow throughout the classroom because of that. Yeah. And I find that because we do it early in the year, that sort of um, community that we develop really does set a tone for all the other things we do later, whether they're discussions about the books we're reading. Um, We, you know, after we do all that writing in November, we set it aside for a little bit to, um, you know, let, let us have a chance to separate, give a little distance to the writing and then come back. And that's something that I talk to them about that, you know, real writers try to do also that, you know, when you're drafting, sometimes you're really close to your work. And when you put it aside, even for a short while and come back to it, it lets you, you're able to see things that you couldn't see before. Um, But we talk about like, you know, what it is to share your work with others and and how to give feedback to other people. So it really is kind of a, a beginning step of something that we, we work on all through the year in terms of how to talk about our writing and how to share and how to revise. So it's a great program. So speaking of novels, you have a book that is coming out soon, A Comb of Wishes. Um, Can you share with us a little bit about the book and just the inspiration around writing this book? Yeah, so um, I have my advanced reader copy here. So A Comb of Wishes, this is my ARC. Uh, comes out <laughs> comes out with Harper Collins Quiltree Books in February of uh, 2022, so February 8th, um, and it's it's up for pre-order now. But it is a book um, that actually was a NaNoWriMo novel, so that's always one thing I tell my students that uh, 2013 was the second time um, that I had attempted to do NaNoWriMo, and the first time that I did it with students. And, um, and that was the story that I wrote that year. And um, it's come a long way <laughs> since then. It's, it's been revised, you know, multiple times. So I have all sorts of stories to talk about with my, my classes about what it takes to become a published writer. But, um, but the story is based on um, my own heritage a little bit. Um, my uh, family on my dad's side um, is from the Caribbean, uh, from Barbados. And so the book is set in the Caribbean and it's um, a fantasy about a, a girl who has uh, just recently lost her mother and she's grieving you know, her loss. Um, and she also um, has you know, just such an interest in the sea and in creating things with the sea glass. And so, um, you know, one day she's on the beach with a friend looking for a glass and um, here's a sound that she can't ignore and follows it and finds this ancient box. Um, and it's battered and worn and she doesn't really know where it's come from. Um, and when she's able to open it finally inside, there's a beautiful hair comb. And when she touches it, it connects her to this um, dangerous kind of mermaid. So this this mermaid who says that she's taken this that belongs to her, this comb is hers, Um, but she is bound by some rules. Magic always has rules. And uh, in order for her to get it back, um, she has to offer a wish. And so she offers my main character, Keela, 
a wish in exchange for her comb to be returned. And of course, the thing that Keela wants most is for her mother to come back. So uh, that's the, the premise of the story. Oh my goodness. So what you're saying is I am going to pre-order this for order <laughs> and myself to read together. It sounds like an awesome, awesome book. Um, I can't Thank wait you. for her to get her hand. She loves to read. Um, so oh. definitely be um, your first review, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so how yeah. does being an author influence you and motivate you as a teacher? That's a great question. I think that um, one of the things has been that I look at books um, differently um, than I did when I, you know, was for many, many years, as I said, I, you know, was in the classroom just as an English teacher before I went back to school and started working on my, uh, my second degree. And, um, you know, so I read and I taught books, but when I became serious about pursuing um, publication and learning how to write, I kind of wanted to educate myself on the others of the craft of writing. Um, and so I look at stories a little bit differently. So we, we talk sometimes with students about reading like a writer. Um, and when you read a book, um, you know, you read for pleasure, but then you can read more carefully and think about how did the author do whatever that thing is that they did? How did they make me feel this way? How did they create that tension? Um, so I, I feel like that has given me kind of a great um, avenue to talk with students because you know the things that I have learned as a, a writer um, and you know can give them kind of that insight into what you know authors are thinking about as they put stories together and layering in um, you know levels of meaning and, and thematic elements. Um, I think that they always have, there are always students who, who think about, you know, they love books and think about like, you know, could I be a writer? And you could say, you know, yes, you definitely can be a writer. And, and this is actually, you know, how it happens. Like, how do the books that you love end up on the shelf? What's the process that people go through to become a published writer? So I'm able to talk to them a little bit about that and like the journey that I've had through publishing, how long it's taken me, what are some of the things that I've had to do? Um, so that's been great. And then, as I said, also just as, as, you know, looking at like the, the craft of writing and talking to them about like, you know, looking beyond just like the story as something that you enjoy, but thinking about how storytellers create these experiences that we have um, and all of it's intentional and how they do that and what can they take from that into their own work. Yeah. So how did you, did you, I'm sure you brought your book to school to show them the cover. Did you, <laughs> so I do. There's three copies of my, like I said, it's not out yet, but I have um, advanced copies. Uh-huh. Um, and so I have, there are three copies of my, uh, my advanced copy in our school library oh <laughs> and goodness. students have been signing up on a waiting list. So oh, a few cool. of them have started to read it. <laughs> How cool. It's like, my teacher is an author. I am reading my teacher's book. It is. It's, it's so sweet when I, I see them with it or they'll say, this is String, the Stringfellow. I got off the waiting list today and oh I got, your, I got your book. Oh, <laughs> so. Now that is priceless. That is absolutely <laughs> priceless. That's pretty cool that they get to do it that. Is. And yes. to hear their reviews, like, okay, I remember, I love this. And 
Oh my god! And then they well, have- they, they're pretty shy about it, and, and I'm I'm shy about it too. <laughs> so, but um, sometimes I'll hear from a parent, um, and they'll say, you know, my student, you know, got your book, and they said it, they they really loved it. And I'm like, oh, that's so great. They didn't want to tell me because I think it made them feel awkward, but that made me made me so happy to hear. <laughs> that it would really be cool to have a book talk. I, oh, I, that would really be cool to have a book talk with your students to just hear. I mean, just yes, um, it is. I, I had the experience recently where um, one of the students who had just gotten the book from the library, um, we always share at the beginning of the week what we've been reading and um, I'm always bringing in books to share. And, and one of them <laughs> shared, well, I got Miss Stringfellow's book. And, and so she book talked my book and I was just like, this is such a strange experience to have, you know, her explaining my plot to the other students and, uh, and I'm standing there, but it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Um, just sharing um, what you're doing with your students around writing and making that connection of reading to writing and just keeping them engaged in the process. Um, I really love how you connect opportunities outside of the classroom to motivate them as a writer. And it really helps to see the connect, help this helps the students to see the connection um, to the world, that it's bigger than just me teaching you how to form a sentence, but it's really getting you to love writing, to love reading. So that yeah. is really, really awesome that you're doing that with your students. So Thank now you. we are going to go into our rapid fire questions. This is the, the fun part. Everything else is great, but this is like the <laughs> fun part where our listeners get to really connect with you as Lisa and just the different things that are your favorites. So are you ready? I think so. <laughs> okay. First question. What's your favorite season of the year? It's so funny because we had a retreat at school recently, and that was a question that the students were asked to go to one side of this uh, area if they, you know, like this season and the other side. And I was one of those people that I was in the middle. So my favorite season um, is either or both spring and fall. So I just love kind of like that temperate. It's sunny. It's nice. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. And, you know, I like both. So fall if I had to pick one, but spring and fall. (laughs) Spring and fall. Okay. So you're like in in between a sprawl. That's what you (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Got it. All right. Now this one, you might need a moment to think about this. What is a, who was your favorite character in a book or a movie? I know it's hard to pick just one, but. One that just kind of comes to mind first. Oh, gosh. My favorite character in a book or a movie. Um, it is hard to pick one. I would say, I mean, I was a kid who I loved. Um, I loved reading growing up and I loved fantasies. Um, and I would say that one of the inspirations for me with writing was that I didn't often see um you know, brown skin characters, like in those kind of adventures that um, I like to read, like, you know, whether it's like Chronicles of Narnia, um, I think you see a lot more, you know, uh, like black characters in like historical fiction than you did in like fantasy stories. Um, So I don't know, I think I loved, um, 
I love like A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, and so like Meg from A Wrinkle in Time. I loved, um, you know, things like uh, Lucy and the Narnia Chronicles. Um, I think movies, like I love The Little Mermaid, obviously, because <laughs> I ended up writing a different kind of mermaid. But um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, those fantastical stories where kids get to be on adventures. Yeah, it makes me think about um, Gloria Latz, uh, Dr. Gloria Latson-Billings' work around mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors. And as you were talking, I was thinking, what would I say as my character? It probably would be that I'm drawn to um, Black female characters that mm -hmm. I just, I'm drawn to. And, and those that are um, have big, loud voices where they kind of command the space when they walk in. And I think now where I am in, you know, just who I am, I think that would be why I'm more drawn to those characters because I see so much of myself. Yeah, we spend a lot of time talking in my sixth grade class about um, windows, mirrors and sliding glass doors and, and Dr. Rudin sends Bishop and, and like that, um, that idea that like Sorry, you should I, find I, yes thank you for no that. but Dr. Billings also about like the culturally responsive yes, you know yes. teaching it's all connected um and that they're you know being in publishing like I can kind of like see that there's a lot of growth that has happened in representation and books but there's still a super long way to go um you know there's a, a very well-known infographic that's on the internet about um I think it was 2018 all of the characters of color, um, so in children's books, about 3,000 children's books are published every year, um, characters of color had less representation than animals. Yes. So like, I think it was 27% were animals and others, whether those are trucks or, you know, inanimate objects, but black, brown, you know, all people of color, that percentage was still less than animals <laughs> as representation. So yeah. I think it's so important. Yeah, and and thank you for, you know, you have two powerhouses in your head, Dr. Gloria Latzing Billings, and then Dr. I mean, uh, yes, Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop's work. And I, I think they complement definitely, I know that they complement each other because that culturally re relevant teaching is just as important um, when we're talking about mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors and figuring out as a teacher, how do I change the way I choose books or choose stories to tell. Whose voices am I inviting into this space? It's very, very important because we have students that need to see more than the narrative that we keep putting in curriculum or putting in um, our text. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so now, oh, here's the last question. Which do you prefer, cake or cupcake? Oh, I would probably say cake because I, um, I love cupcakes because they're portable, but um, <laughs> I've seen so many interesting, um, just like tech, like I'm a Food Network type of person. Like I love to watch those kinds of shows and like people making, you know, great British baking show. And I just think there's so much fun that you can have with the cake and flavors and I would be all about trying lots of different types. <laughs> so yes. probably cake. <laughs> I do like how cupcakes are portable. I think that might be a dangerous thing for me. 
because <laughs> I could grab a couple of at the same time. <laughs> right. So um, what tips would you give to educators that would like to start to do this work or continue on um, with this work of making sure that our students feel um, like they are part of the writing process or just motivating them as writers? Yeah, I mean, I think I shared already about, you know, if you're interested in something like um, NaNoWriMo, um, and also I think I mentioned just briefly at the beginning, there's a, a, a program called the Global Read Aloud, which is um, kind of a similar idea in the sense that, you know, hundreds of kids from all over the world and classrooms and teachers are coming together to read um, the same books. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like that same community experience that you get to share. I think there are great opportunities like that that you can participate in. But I think even beyond that, um, just within your own classroom, to think about like, what are the ways that I can, you know, weave in these opportunities for choice, opportunities for um, a little bit of like, um, you know, freedom for your students to be able to try new things. Um, you know, and, and make mistakes and, and that's okay um, to share with each other. I think um, one of the things that my, my students love is when, you know, after NaNoWriMo and kind of like the high of that goes down, when they come back to their stories later, I put them in little groups and we call them critique groups, kind of like how writers, you know, professional writers have critique. You have partners that you, sh you know, share your work with and you, you know, get to ask them questions. And it's not about line editing. It's about kind of question sharing and like what it, what was what it, what was your intent here and you know what kinds of feedback you know would you like to hear? So I think just there's lots of ways through whether that's um, writing groups, um, book clubs where kids can talk about things and kind of share their ideas um, that you can just do even just within your own classroom. Great. So how can folks just find out more about what you're doing? Um, any social media handles that you want to share with the listeners? Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter um, and on Instagram. Um, been on Twitter a lot longer, connected with a lot of teachers. Um, but my handle is at Engage Readers. Um, so just E-N-G-A-G-E readers, um, and it's the same on Twitter and Instagram. And then I have a website, um, lisastringfellow.com, that you can find out more and, and get my handles there too. Awesome. And what I'll do is leave in the show notes the link to pre-order your book. Ah, um, thank you. Well. Um, um, folks, please, please, please. I, it sounds so exciting. I mean, it sounds so... Um, wonderful. So definitely, I'm excited personally to pre-order that book for uh, my daughter so that we can read it together. So I'll definitely uh, leave that um, so that other students outside of your students can give it. <laughs> Maybe it won't be so awkward. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And to my listeners, um, well, let me just say, Lisa, thank you so much for just being in conversation with me this this is such an important conversation to have um, to help teachers to um, just provide more opportunities for choice and um, writing opportunities for students in the classroom, as well as reading opportunities. Um, sometimes we kind of get uh, caught up with the tests and the standardized tests at the end of the year, and we forget that 
we are creating world changers. We are creating innovative thinkers, like not creating, we are um, really pulling that out of our students, providing a space for their brilliance to come alive. And so it's important that we don't make the end goal a standardized test, but we help them to see how what they're doing connects with their very world that they're living in each and every day. So thank you again for this conversation. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you so much for listening in on this wonderful conversation. Um, And as always, happy teaching.